Hello and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, episode 289. Wow! This is Chris, and joining me today are... Ames. Caitlin. And... And Jake. Oh yeah, but also... And, and Carl. Hello. And, and Carl. in this Carl. ring! <laughs> <laughs> uh, good to see you. Good to welcome see you, back, Carl. Carl. Yeah, good to see you, Carl. Thanks for joining us today, Carl. You bet. Oh, that was that was some NPR voice, Jake. You know, I try. I have tingles. So, this week, we will be looking at Think Tank and nothing else. Yeah, it's weird. We're only true. doing one episode. This isn't a memory why. wipe episode. I know, but I really want to pretend the fight doesn't exist. I also wish it was a memory wipe episode, because holy fuck. Oh, there God. are some there are some some resounding moments we'll we'll discuss, but tell us, Chris. Must I? Oh. First up in the fight. Uh, we open with Chakotay screaming on a med bed, and it's not cause Janeway put something up his tookus again. He's afraid he's going crazy, and he can't understand the aliens. What is all this? Well, don't worry. We're gonna flash back to Chakotay, who, even though I'm pretty sure he said didn't really know Boothby at the Academy, now says Boothby taught him how to box? So he's in a boxing simulation, and Ray Walston is there being like, you're the shittest boxer. He's like, I'm not that bad. And then space explodes, he gets punched, and he is that bad. And then we're back in sick bay. And the doctor's like, what the? Why? Why is this program allowed? Was he playing it with safeties off? I guess, because he got injured. But also, oh, Chicote, you have like a genetic marker for unspecified crazies. Oh, he's it had like, a name. I didn't write the name down. Oh, it did? Yeah. Well, either way, he's got what Chakotay will later call the crazy gene, which, like, wow. That sounds like something out of Futurama. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he'd apparently, like, it runs in the family, but he'd had it suppressed because apparently genetic modification now is allowed to an extent within the Federation, it if seems. If you're not Bashir, you can do it all you like. <laughs> yeah, fucking apparently. Meanwhile, we wind up in chaotic space where Ooh. chaotic, nothing, chaotic, chaotic, nothing chaotic works. Space. Yeah, uh, uh. it sounds like Futurama too. Chaotic it sounds space. like a mini golf course. Ooh, that mini would be way course. more fun than this. So they basically work out that the aliens activated Chakotay's crazy gene to try to talk to him to tell them how to get out of chaotic space. Chaotic space. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the joke. The terrible wormhole alien style vision he has with every time they say chaotic space, they say it like five Six times. Six times. Oh. Chaotic space. Chaotic See, I like that. Chaotic space. Chaotic space. Chaotic space. So yeah, he eventually has a vision. He figures it out. They get out of chaotic space. Chaotic space. Chaotic space. Yeah. Thanks, Oh, Carl. I forgot. There were Thank also you. some vision quests. With granddad. Oh yeah, yeah. Because we're doing that again. Y'all, y'all know awesome. from from experience that I don't do d dream sequences. So I was, yeah, none of that was necessary. No, well, because uh, uh, yeah, well, that, that's it. That's the episode. 
Well, really, I, so I was saying to Caitlin after we watched this one, I was That's like, your mistake right there, Chris. That's correct. I feel, I said, going in, I was like, is this one of the infamous ones? I can't remember. That's why Carl is here. <laughs> Didn't you pick it up on the pattern? <laughs> and then I watched it and was like, oh, yes, this is one of the infamous ones. <laughs> oh, yes, this is shit. Oh, oh, boy. <laughs> We're bringing back vision quests, which we hadn't done in so long that I thought maybe the show had come to its senses and decided to not do the bad Native American stuff anymore, but I was wrong. Can't your people turn into birds or something? <laughs> uh, I mean, at least the dude what played his granddad is actually, like, in real life, part Native American. So that's that's something. Yeah, I enjoyed his performance. That's uh, Ned Romero, uh, and he was on Next Gen once as well. Yeah, he was actually, he was in Journey's End. But he was also a Klingon back in the TOS days. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which one? <laughs> um, oh, fuck, I can't remember. I looked it up the other day. He's not like one of the big, big ones. He never, you know, came back as a Klingon later. Mm. He didn't fuck Dax that we know of. That we know of. <laughs> he, he was uh, also uh, in uh, Galactica 1980, the strange oh, sequel series. Wow, wow. He's been around. Kid, Kid Chaos was our buddy, what's his name, slash Satan's robot. Oh. Oh, was that, um, Ayala? Yeah, Ayala, yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. Just one of his 8,000 roles on this show. Oh, good for him, yeah. I'll <laughs> say one of the things, one of the kind of shining lights of this episode that is mostly very exhausting and so very repetitive, and Jesus Christ, I see why it's on a lot of poor, uh, on a, ba a bad list, is when Kid Chaos turns around and he just has space for a face, that, great effect. I like that. Liked that. Was like, yeah, that was like Star Trek does Ghost of Christmas yet to come, and it was fun. <laughs> Actually, so interesting, you know, at one point, Caitlin goes, Jesus Christ, who wrote this? <laughs> so I was like, well, who did write this? And I looked it up and uh, I'm not sure exactly how it worked back in the day. Just tell him the name first, because I, I have to call out how proud I was of myself recognizing the name. The teleplay was by Joe Minoski. Mm -hmm. And the story was by Michael Taylor. Yes. And you know what I said, Ames? I what, said, did you say that's the guy that wrote The Visitor? No, I said, is that the guy that did Masks? Michael Taylor? <laughs> uh, no, the uh, uh, Minoski did Masks. Oh. So you think, yeah, Taylor, that was the thing. I was like, wow, Michael Taylor is the man behind The Visitor and In the Pale Moonlight. Mm -hmm. He's behind Bride of Chaotica. Think yeah, tank. Michael Taylor's very good. The Disease, which, uh, and a bunch I haven't actually seen yet or don't remember. But then Minoski... Minoski, the, the teleplay guy, it's astounding, like, clues from TNG. Darmok, uh, what else we got? Time's Arrow Part 1 and 2, so half a good episode, if nope, you ask me, just but no one else. just a fully bad episode. <laughs> False Prophets from this, Futures End Parts 1 and 2, which, you know, you know. Uh, Scorpion Parts 1 and 2, Year of Hell Parts 1 and 2. But he Lots is of one of their main writers, so uh, yes. he, he yeah. does, does a lot of it, a lot of this stuff. Yep, which also, again, masks, but also perhaps most importantly, DS9's Distant Voices. Mm-hmm. Chris goes, oh my god, imagine what horrible episode he did from Deep Space Nine. And I was like, Prophet, Prophet and Lace? <laughs> or no, you said the worst one, and I said Prophet and Lace, and you said, okay, okay second, second worst. worst one. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, do you know, because it sounds like you looked into this, I'm waiting to hear if you know the the rest of the story, Chris. No, I just looked at their credits. Oh, okay. I didn't go into detail because I know that's, that's your department. Yeah, I, say, I we would never step steal, on feet. We would never steal your stories, Ames. Except when you do. 
Oh, yeah, um, except those times. I try not to, but I fail sometimes. So here's what happened with, with this script. So Michael Taylor had a script. I really kind oh. I kind of <laughs> really want to see what this script was because they turned it down because it was too intellectual. And I say too intellectual. This is fucking Star Trek. Who do you think you're writing for, guys? And then they gave it to Braga and, and Minoski and they rewrote it in a way to be more like their shit, which, you know, Minoski we've seen in all of the aforementioned episodes, does a lot of those weird communication-y, hallucination-y, just all the, all the weird dreamscape episodes are usually Minoski. Mm. So I kind of mm. want to see what okay. it used that to be. Yeah. yeah, I I was saying, like, I, I, I want to really look at it in depth, but I was like, wow, on the one hand, he's written some great episodes and on some other, the other hand, he's written some real trash. And I think he might average out to more bad than good. Well, mm. a lot of a lot of main TV writers like that are the ones called on. I mean, the other the other factor behind the scenes in this is like this was lurched into production because the bridge caught fire. Right, right, right. And they right. couldn't shoot on it for like three weeks. Oh, but they had a boxing ring. But they had a boxing ring. So good, good, better, better, better. Uh, Better punch up there, uh, Robert Beltran. We're sending you in. Oh, God, that was another thing. The fight choreography was fucking awful. <laughs> I mean, I don't know much about boxing, but that was the least convincing boxing I've ever seen in a film or TV show. Like, goddamn. Is boxing the most po- unpopular sport that is beloved the most by TV people? Because I feel like everyone gets a boxing episode, and I- I'm never quite sure why. No, that would be baseball. Know. <laughs> but see, we discussed this when we did hollow uh take me out to the hollow suite oh sure. yeah I, th- I think i think we're we're biased because we're bsg fans and <laughs> that that's true that is a good boxing <laughs> yes. episode i love that episode They're, that's but, really they really brought it the thing is boxing was was fucking huge like right up through like the 60s 70s ish you know the muhammad ali days so it's true yeah older writers were, were remember that era where it was one of the biggest sports in America. And then it has just fallen off so hard. Like, it's easy to forget because we were born in the era where it had already pretty much fallen off. But like, there was basically 60s, 70s, like boxing fell off and suddenly football exploded in a way that it hadn't before. Baseball began to taper. Um, They're like, we don't want boxing levels of brain damage, but we still want some brain damage. What else do <laughs> yeah. we have? Yeah. Right. Oh, American football? Perfect. I do love, you know, an episode like this, it's kind of interesting to see how much the actors can, like, elevate weak material. Mm. And Picardo's pretty good at this. Like, his his hatred of boxing really sells that was a good. lot of those scenes. <laughs> I like that. That, like, that was good. He, I, yeah. He would be, like, primally opposed to boxing. Yeah, and it makes sense. Well, he is a doctor. I do feel like, though, aside from that, he was awful in this. Mm. Picardo. Yeah, I mean, really? everyone, to be on. I think everyone. Yeah, I don't think anybody really, was doing no. was do, on their best. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys specifically what you thought of Beltran in this episode because he doesn't get a lot of episodes for himself, really, and he's usually a more quiet character. Yeah, I. There was just so much half crazed screaming. Mm. Like, I feel like had it been good drama, he probably could have done well. But he it was, was trying so hard. Bad yeah. drama. Um, yeah, and there was just like so many moments in this episode where like, oh, okay, there are the pan flutes. Yeah, We're doing this. Yeah, and it's they just did like, it. Nope. And I know even like the director was Winrich Colby, who I don't know his his 
credits, but I know he's directed a lot of this, so it, you can't Dating even Dating Kate Mulgrew at this time, I believe. Really interesting. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. But it wasn't like, so it's not like, okay, it's a director that's worked with this cast a lot, so he knows them too, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you can't even blame it on like a new or untested director. It's just like, the script is just that bad. <laughs> well, so much of it is also this script trying to be very surreal. Like, I forget what the director was. There was a director in TOS that did all, like, the fish eye lens kind of episodes. And we always yeah. recognized him because he was the fish eye lens guy. You fucking loved that lens. And there's such a different style you kind of have to do when you're doing a weird, either, like, there's a dream episode or we're talking with the stupid prophets talking in riddles <laughs> or or those kinds of episodes where it's just you have to shoot it in a way that is unique mm-hmm. and dreamy, dreamscapey kind of. And that, that yeah. was a thing, and that's why I was surprised you were kind of into it, because it felt like when he was talking to the aliens, mm-hmm. it felt like one of the bad wormhole alien interactions. Yeah. Like well, especially when, like, the, anymore. like the, they were just responding by cutting together earlier clips from the episode of, like, cutting together lines that people were saying. And it, it just, it didn't work for me. It just oh, it seemed see, I, really I, lazy. See, I bought it. Yeah. But, you know, my, my, my first note when they started doing that was, oh, God, am I going to love or hate this? But the couple of times that the chaotic space aliens basically forced, you know, previous lines of dialogue to say, your brains can't comprehend us. Your brains can't comprehend us over and over again to just say, like, that's why this is really weird, because there's no way you would understand. Yeah, like, I like the idea of that, like, all right, we can dice, we can, we can... Take your memories, cut them up like newspaper words, and make a ransom note out of them. Mm -hmm. Like, the concept, I think, is pretty good. The execution, honestly, I think I wouldn't have bothered me as much on genuinely if they didn't say chaotic space like three times every (laughs) time they said Mm. chaotic space. Chaotic space. That was a bonkers choice. I don't get it. Well, I think I think it's a it's a bonkers choice that they made because the deadline was in five minutes. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's also and th- true. this you know this I, I guess I kind of view this more as a happy accident episode. You know, admitting that it's bad. Obviously, mm. the script is bad. So, bad. but but you know, it's it's interesting. I like that scene for the, those reasons. Like, it feels like the aliens were probing his mind, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what English words would line up with what they intended and they just use the same like five it's like the music scene in uh in close encounters or something yeah again it's, um, a, it's a great idea it kind of reminds me of like hell even when i was first having to learn another language in school yeah being like you know now write some freeform stuff and it's like man i want to say all this stuff but i don't have the vocabulary yet i have this like handful of 50 words christ yeah. and so that again really good like a a solid concept for that part of the episode well again yeah conceptually i don't have a problem with it i think again it was in the execution and the we're just going we're just going to do a clip show version of this idea as opposed to like you know reshooting those scenes Mm with this in mind like show like why don't we go to fisheye lens why don't Mm. we like look straight up the character's nose as, as you know like from from beltran's perspective because wouldn't it have been from chakotay's pov when we were in these scenes that's so, a good point like it just it just it's seemed true. like they're like okay we got to do this dream sequence okay so what are we gonna do well let's just like take the sh- the shots that we've already done and just like glue them together and and do the ransom note thing 
Yeah, yeah, or even see from these aliens' points of view because they pro- they probably don't mm. perceive the same way we do. Like I could I, mean, I could foresee like something that we saw in the Voyage Home when they're going back in time and all the heads just appear oh, like that- statues. Something really stylistic and strange. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to go weird, go super weird with it, guys. Yeah. Mm. I, I agree. And I, I I would venture to say that this could have been a good or memorable episode if they had like spent less time trying to make it make sense. Because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's just not going to make sense. But if you Wait. like, I liked stuff like the, um, th- there's a shot where where he's like going into the dream and he stares at a medical console. And we've never quite seen that kind of shot before like he's just he's just staring at it and like his his fear is uh creeping onto his face as it fades and i liked stuff like that but it really is like an episode where it's like you're you're looking for good stuff among a junkyard you know yeah Yeah. and it's so like wildly inconsistent even internally uh, where like you know they're they're earlier on they're like oh yeah focus on the voices they're trying to contact you and then in a later scene, they're like, maybe they're trying to contact him. It's like, what, we established, yes. what the fuck? What the fuck just happened? Yeah. Yeah, they enter a flashback where it is not clear where they exit the flashback. That's yes. my biggest yeah. problem. That's Release the biggest the Michael unforced Taylor error. Cut. Yeah. It, it's like, yeah. oh, 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 suddenly the doctor is saying the opposite opinion of the one he was saying two minutes ago. The flashback must be over. Great. Right. Yeah, yeah. But this wasn't even, neither of that case was a flashback. They just genuinely fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like, this was, oh, and Jake, what was it, or Ames, anyone, was I right? Did, didn't he say in the, not that it matters, but I'm a nerd. No, it matters. Didn't he say he didn't really know Boothby at the Academy in that episode I, with all the 8472s? By that he's lying because he knows something's wrong. But I thought he said it to right. Janeway. Oh, did he? Okay, that I don't I remember. Thought. If that's, that's true, I, then I'm confused. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, no, it's certainly if it was just one of the 8472s, like, yeah, totally, it's just covered. Yeah. Shockingly, no one, like, pointed out on Memory Alpha or anything, which which they tend to do because they're pathetic nerds. <laughs> then maybe uh, I'm misremembering. Let's get on there. Get on there! Be the pathetic <laughs> nerd I know you can be. <laughs> I'll have to go rewatch that other episode first to be sure I'm correct. Could it be yeah. that Boothby is the character preloaded into that program for some reason? Well, that would make sense. No. He says specifically it's Boothby because he... Boothby was his boxing instructor at the academy. Oh, which yeah. like, why do you get the oldest man? Well, because he's, he's great he's, at yelling at you. Well, also because like he fits the visual description of the old boxing trainer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like the, like the old man that hung around the gym who was great in his prime, but and now he just trains the the young guys. But it doesn't make any sense for a few reasons. So, so I, I I like Ames' idea that that like maybe he was just telling that to species eight four seven two Boothby in order to like test him. Yeah, because like obviously Boothby would also remember Chakotay. Mm-hmm. Sure. So he hasn't that, aged that much, I don't think. Yeah, and like he's he's memorable. He's got a tattoo on his face, like. He wouldn't have in the academy yeah, I was though. Gonna say, did he have oh, that's then? true. He that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, but right. the he, but the pan flutes that surround him wherever he goes, you'd remember those. Maybe it's a maybe it's a maybe it's a Clark Kent <laughs> Batman <laughs> thing. Oh, I'm Hold so on. sorry, Chris. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> I just the idea that that music just follows him in world. I imagine is... that it's like little critters, like cute little little cartoon <laughs> critters holding pan flutes. Like in a Disney movie or something. Well, that's adorable. You've just turned your coat into a Disney princess. I Yay! Love it. Sorry, Jake. You were. 
you were saying? Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I but I, I also think it's, it's, it, it doesn't make sense to me that the gardener mm. is also the boxing coach. Yeah, no, it's like you said, Jake. It's just because he's kind of like Mickey from Rocky. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the only reason. And either they couldn't get him, or he had already passed by this point. I don't know when he died. Can't think of his name right now, but he was a fairly well-known character actor. Burgess Meredith. Oh, yeah. oh really? Burgess Meredith is in Rocky? Yeah, yeah. What? Yep. And... Oh, so you mentioned earlier, Chris, one of the other things that's kind of a little out of place, and I'm going to say unnecessary, because I've seen it done way better, is we start in media res with yeah. Chakotay already at a point where he's in contact with the aliens, he's been having the hallucinations, he's in Med Bay, and the doc says, don't you remember? Here's the rest of the episode to show you what already happened. Yeah, Why not just do it in order? Now, I believe that was due to uh, they ran short. Oh. Uh, uh. In the chaos of making this episode, uh, they said that. But here again, I mean, that instead of doing that, they should have just filmed more wacky shit. They should have, yeah. yeah. They absolutely should have. And or you don't just, need the bridge set for that. Or just told the friggin' ads department to sell five more minutes to Coca-Cola. <laughs> Something. <laughs> Anything oh. would be preferable. Even the audiences will agree that another commercial break would be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, wow, this was such a mess. I know, just the... The weird overlapping dream sequences, the fact that, and this is another Minoski trait, you always see it, the other characters playing things in your hallucination, because we've got, like, Paris is there, like, trying to, like, be a bookie? What the hell was he supposed to be doing? Yeah, Oh, also, and again- Neelix is the towel boy. (laughs) This this doesn't, again, also really- Earth boxing made it to the Cardassians, and they decided they love it? I don't know. If anybody was going to love it. It's them and the Klingons. Yeah, absolutely. And I also just feel like like boxing. Here's the thing about boxing. Tell us. It's, it's swinging your fist at another person's face. Yeah. And like, that's it's not like uh, it's not something that took effort to come up with. It was something we were doing anyway. And we're <laughs> like, let's make a game out of this. So I'm sure every species in every corner of the galaxy that has hands that can be turned into hammers is doing their own version of boxing so maybe you know maybe yeah. this is... hammer hands but apparently everyone just agreed let's just do the earth version but you know what you know what i'm gonna stop myself right there i'll take that over trying to create a future martial art like ambo jutsu or whatever yeah. it was called so i'm just surprised there that Rambo like what now that by the 24th century boxing isn't a two you clasp your hands together and swing both arms at the same time because that would that been, seems to be the dominant fighting style especially uh, of the time if they had a special like you know singular glove that you put the hands in yes like, yes now we're talking that the, that i would buy the kirk chalk boxing glove i that would have been great that would have been a shining moment in this otherwise clusterfuck of an episode the kirk chops and glove all right Related to almost nothing, but I wanted to bring this up because I saw it today watching commercials uh, during a hockey game. There's a thing called slap fighting. There's a like a the, the power slap com- like uh, corporation that does slap fighting where you just slap each other in the face. I can't tell oh. if this is a, a real show or a joke show, and it's driving me insane. There's all kinds of ridiculous. It's probably real. Martial I would believe that it's real. Yeah. That that th- th- that's like a thing. What is its country of origin, please? Probably us. 
Probably American. That sounds like a weird YouTube fad, you know what I mean? It does. Like, it sounds like something that's on the Ocho, is what it sounds like. It's something... It's on the what? The Ocho. What's ESPN that? 8. The, ESPN uh, 8 is the Ocho, and they play all the, the crazy weird sports. Th- there's like, in the in the most recent Hitman game, they put a new map in recently, which is like a mercenary island. And there is a section where, like, the mercenaries trying to prove how tough they are to each other by literally just slapping one another until one of them quits. So, like, yeah, wow. Oh, dear. But there it's kind of, like, tongue-in-cheek, like, this is dumb, but we get it. God. God above. I think Chakotay would be great at it. (laughs) Oh. That and making tubs. Speaking of Chakotay (laughs) and his tattoo from earlier, did his whole family end up getting the tattoo? Because... Remember, we find out he got the tattoo design from the, the, like, alien tribe descendants that his father met that time. Mm-hmm. So, but his grandfather had the tattoo, too. So, like, did all the family end up being like, yeah, let's all get this tattoo, or did the writers just forget? And they were like, well, you'll know it's his grandfather, not just because he's been talking about his grandfather and here's an old man. He'll have the visual marker that he yeah. is a Chakotay. Yeah, I don't think we need. I think we could have figured it out. Yeah, the character was without the the the. Uh, the yeah, just give him the pan flutes, not the tattoo. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. This, yeah, I, I mean, I am one hundred percent sure the reason is that the the writers did not remember. Yeah, that like the only other Chakotay centered episode talked about this, but in universe, sure, yeah. He, his dad went home and told the whole family at the next, you know, next reunion, like, hey, y'all got to get this tattoo to to celebrate our ancestors, the aliens. Yeah, I know in there's a novel. And when I was looking into things, when I was writing my Chakotay fanfic, which y'all should read, I it's think it, I, I had a lot of fun writing it that his sister does have the tattoo. OK, so he he went back and was like, hey, guys. That's what it was, Jake. It was at a family reunion. He actually brought a tattoo artist. Yeah. It was like face painting, but way more extreme. Sounds like my kind of party, to be honest. Uh, I guess the the saving grace of this episode is you you get to see Chakotay do stuff that he never does in any other episode. He tries to slug Tuvok, and I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it, you know, I think I think you've done a good job in kind of pointing out that they don't really give him a lot to do. I think my favorite Chakotay episode is the one with him and Aaron Eisenberg. Oh, that's uh, the one. Initiations. Yeah, yes. that's a good one. Because yeah. he, and I think it's because he is, you know, normally he's quiet, but like in that episode, he is like tough and considerate in equal measure. And I wish, I wish we could have seen more of that from Chakotay. When they let Chakotay be Chakotay, which we found like he's at his best when like, he so often, we've noticed, like, sort of personifies this Star Trek idea of, like, hey, hey, let's talk it out, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the moral He's compass, kind of. Yeah. You know, like like you said, that episode, he, you know, he had to be a little tougher because he was dealing with a, a daft Kazon, but... You know, he's he's the one when he gets kidnapped by the dinosaur descendants in, um... That Distant episode. Origin. Thank he you. D- he does what he always does and whips off his trousers to initiate first contact. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he's there and, you know, he's just talking to the dinosaur guy like, hey, dude, let's be friends. Come on. We don't have to, you know, and and, and they don't do that enough considering how good he is at it when they write him doing it. Mm-hmm. And the fact yeah, that he's I McKee. Also... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no. Go, go ahead, Carl. Well, just the fact that he's was McKee on top of that is kind of extra. Like he's he's the gentlest, toughest guy in the McKee. Like yeah. that could have been interesting. 
Yeah, that that is the one thing I have said. Like, I do not understand. Like, right. He became a Maquis, like, because he was really shit-faced after his father died. Made a rash decision. It's like, <laughs> well, I gotta do this now, I guess. The tattoo yeah. is permanent. Well, I mean, we've said this from the beginning, though, that, like, any semblance of Chakotay, the Maquis leader, is basically absent from the show from the first episode. No, like, that's yeah. just, that's true. You know? Like, like they just they never they never chose to mine that particular vein. Yeah, even if he was like the kind of odd couple McKee guy, like everyone yeah. else in the McKee is like kill, 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 and Chuck was like, hang on a second now, how about we all you know you know sit down around a campfire, have some hot dogs and beans, and chat about this uh, the situation first. Yeah, and then Seska pouts in the corner. <laughs> well, like the fact the fact that like our McKee character, like the the few times that he has like legitimate conflict with Janeway, it's because Janeway is trying to do something Usually you know, blow insane. up the ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he's usually talking like it should be the other way. It should be, you know, the Maquis that's a little more reckless and and wants to, you know, take chances and do things not by the book. But yeah. but oftentimes he's the one that's trying to talk Janeway out of it. I mean I guess in a way you could argue that maybe they're trying to show that there is more to Maquis than just very angry people like Balana. But you also and, have no. Suter, uh, Les Miserables, uh, obsessives like uh, Oh Eddington. Eddington. Yay! The yeah, best. but see, the thing is, the the effect here though is that instead of making the Maquis three dimensional, they just made them a different type of one dimensional, and, and then killed them all. And then yeah. killed them all. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, the other thing I was gonna mention, and I can't remember. Actually, now I completely forget what it was. So oh, no, no. <laughs> Poor Jake. Do you remember? Oh, I was, oh, I know what it was. Going back to boxing for a second. Do it. Um, how the hell did boxing manage to survive right into the 24th century? It's just like it's given what we know today about CTE and, you know, all of the other terrible things that can happen to boxers in particular, as com- even as compared to other martial arts. How? How has it? How is it still happening? The can, only can they... way it works is if you do it in the holodeck with the safeties on and you always go against a holographic op- opponent, and yet somehow Chakotay gets injured by his holographic component. Ob- opponent. <laughs> I also, I don't see how the safeties would necessarily help here, right? Because it's if it's like a concussion that you're going to get, which is what you're going to get. Yeah, the safety should just turn the program off. <laughs> yeah. Like that like should the... be the only safe version of boxing. Pool noodles. Oh, they, they, yeah. They they can they can cure CTE in the future. Mm. Yeah, they can yeah. cure anything in the future. It's yeah, yeah, there we go. I mean, Star Trek does have a habit of like le- hanging on to these vices and yeah. making big deals of hanging on to these. I will never understand why you humans drink this coffee. Right. <laughs> Although, to, as much as I'm glad they didn't bring back Ambo Jitsu, I don't know. I would have appreciated a different sport. Parisi squares. I mean, it could have still been like a... Like an extant sport? Yeah. Judo. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Like an, like a, like yeah, a some kind of, yeah, like a Yeah, like, like an Eastern martial art, which probably might stick around because there's more to it than just beating your opponent over the head. Yeah. Well, well, and I think since he's such a pacifist, actually, an Aikido might work because it usually is like uh, using your opponent's momentum against them instead of like actually hitting, isn't it? I thought that mm. was Judo. Oh, I thought that was Aikido. Shows what we know about... Yeah, I don't know. About anything. But there is definitely one that is renowned for, like, use your enemy's own attacks against them. And yeah, that that 
would fit Chakotay nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. There was a, I think the grandfather said this in one of the hallucination scenes was he says something to the effect of when he, when he refuses to take his medication, he says the wound must be honored, which sounded to me a little bit like Kirk's I need my pain kind of a thing. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to need your pain. It's another to be like, my brain's broken and they could fix it, but I'm going to let it stay broke. Well, yeah, but that's like not unusual with like mental illness. It's usually really difficult. Not usually, but there are certain mental yeah. illnesses that are really difficult to get people to continue taking their medication. No, that's true. Yeah. Either true. because they feel better, so they think they don't need it or for like paranoid reasons. So it kind of sort of unfortunately makes some sense. Yeah, that's true. Thank you. Yeah, I also feel like in the in that specific phrasing, there's also some of that, you know, bad faux Native American mm. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the wound must be honored. Mm, eh, yeah, I, must I it? Mean, it's it's kind of a cool, <laughs> it's a cool turn of phrase. But knowing where it came from, I don't know if I trust it. Yeah, like had Good it come point. out of any other character. Yeah, it wouldn't have that gross undertone. Yeah, even from Boothby. Boothby, who says something to the effect of boxing isn't about avoiding the punches, it's about taking lots of punches. And I'm like, Boothby, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's actually not what boxing's about. Unless you're Homer Simpson, because then you just True. take lots yeah, of punches and tire out the other guy. And that's yeah. what boxing's all about, Charlie So Brown. how wasn't Boothby making, like, gardening and flower metaphors, <laughs> you know? <laughs> how come Boothby didn't swoop in, in the end, with a fan and a parachute to Pull Chakotay out of the ring. Yay! Right. <laughs> 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 it's another great episode. Oh, really it. is. It's a Simpsons joke. Oh. Uh, do we have anything else on this one? I have I have one good line that I had a great report, uh, retort to. Okay. And that's that Chakotay says, I need to go on a vision quest. And the oh. doctor says, that's not the best idea right now. In the same way one would say, sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> 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 that's funny. <laughs> See, now I'm picturing that one day young Chakotay was actually in a Wendy's. He's like, what would you like, sir? Hmm. A vision quest. I have to go on a vision quest to decide. What, sir? I, okay. Can we go to the... Per- okay. Have you guys liked... had the new Wendy's sandwich, by the way? What's the new Wendy's sandwich? I mean, no. Holy shit. Okay, let me tell you about this Wendy's sandwich. You, you can have it with either the chicken or the, or the hamburger patty. Okay. Sure, sure. But then they basically take that and they take a whole puck of fried mozzarella oh, and put it on yeah, top. Yeah. Yep. And it's amazingly dense. I could probably just eat one and still be, or like half of one and still be full. But holy shit, this sandwich. Yeah, it's their Italian, it's supposed to be like a... Italian. Oh, with marinara sauce. It's got marinara sauce and provolone cheese and garlic bun. Okay, we're not doing what we're doing for dinner. I was just going to say, what did you say we were doing for dinner? Because I need Wendy's Um, Going to Wendy's and having a vision quest at the drive-thru. Sadly not sponsored by Wendy's. I got high once before going to Wendy's. Does that count as a vision quest? Uh, It doesn't. Did you get the Dave's double or or not? (laughs) Dude, I think I got a triple and we also got chicken nuggets. Like, we were so fucked up. And the girl who cashed us out was like, that's a... That's a lot of food. And I was like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I'm sure they're very used to that. Wendy's cashiers have seen it all. Mm. (laughs) And if they hadn't, George Costanza could help solve their problem. Hey! (laughs) Segway. Nice job, buddy. So, in Think Tank... Some sort of blue fishy man is walking around a weird <gasps> alien ship. Love him. I'll tell you who that is later. 
and he meets a buzzy boy, and a Hanar without its tentacles, and a nomad descendant-looking thing, and then George Costanza, who's all like, I'm channeling a yoga instructor and talking all calm, being like, we helped solve your problem. He's like, I know, thank you so much. It's like, great, so about that payment? The guy's like, oh, um, yeah, so that ore we promised, uh... Earthquakes uh, cut off the mines, so here's a geode. It's the 90s. People like those. And George <laughs> is like, yeah, nice try. We know you got the ore out ahead of time. What's his actual name? Koros. George George Costanza? Cor- George Kokoros. Sta- whatever. <laughs> uh, Kokoros is like, yeah, nice try, bitch. Pay us or we turn off the devices that were keeping your plan from ripping itself to pieces. And the guy's like, bum, bum, bum. That's what, yes. Meanwhile, Voyager's getting attacked by the Hazari, who are just like a race of bounty hunters, it sounds like. And they're like, ah, Jesus, who did we piss off? And they're like, uh, everyone? Who didn't we piss off? Seriously. And they're like, (laughs) ah, and they're, you know, okay, so they, like, these guys straight up blow up a planet to try to kill Voyager. And... Voyager's like, oh no, and they get away, but they're like, oh fuck, this whole sector's full of these guys. There seem to be paths out, but they could all be traps, what do we do? And they're really like, they're, they're at an impasse. And then Koros is just in the, in the, 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 not the lunch bay. <laughs> um, what's it called? The lunch bay. Uh, ready room? <laughs> no, the... Cafeteria. Monk's, monk's diner. Yeah, the cafeteria. Um, mess hall. Yeah, mess. There it is. He's there in the mess, and she's like, you're a hologram. And he's like, no, no, nothing so simple. I'm a fancy hologram. Yay, he's so pretty. And he, he drinks some of her coffee. He's like, ugh. He's like, so I'm part of a group that solves problems and shit. Come talk to us. Uh, so she does. And yeah, she, she dubs them the think tank. And he's like, ha I like it. And it's like, yeah, we, we solve problems, you know, we ask for payment and, you know, sometimes it's something elaborate, sometimes it's soup. And she's like, how charming. Um, we like soup. Yeah. We yeah. have lots of soup to give you. So much soup. George just wants his fucking soup. No <laughs> uh, soup for you. <laughs> so, you know, there, he comes back, he's like, okay, I, I think I've got a solution for your problem. Here's what we want. And she's like, all right, that. Uh, oh, qu- soup? Slipstream technology. We couldn't get it to work. And he's like, yeah, we're smarter than you. Like some kind of meal recipe, which honestly may have been soup. I can't remember. Uh, and then she's like, whoa, wait a minute. It's like, oh, they want seven of nine. Like, obviously. And uh, somehow seven of nine doesn't jump at the chance to join a group of smug know-it-all <laughs> people, which seems weird. And he's like, oh, that's that's a shame. Oh, well, if you change your mind. And it, they eventually work out that Koros and his buddies actually hired the bounty hunters to put... Voyager is predicament, so they'd have to contact them to begin with, and it's this whole thing. Yada yada. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so Janeway actually, they capture one of the Hazari guys, like, these guys fucked you. And he's like, oh, we've heard of them, we hate them. So they work together to make it look like they're trying to kill Voyager, being like, oh, Voyager told us about you, and we betrayed them, and we're mad at you, give us our money. And Seven is like, fine, I'll join you to end this and save my friends, and but because she's in their, like, little linked network they have set up, because none of them speak the same language, and apparently universal translators aren't fancy enough for them, they're hoisted by their own petard, and they're... Picard. Dad. Thank you, I almost said it. Their <laughs> little system is shut down, they can't talk to each other, the Hazari start blowing their crap up, seven leaves, you know, the ship launches away, and the think tank is almost definitely murdered by the Hazari. 
the one can one hopes i hope bivox gets away bivox is this this bioplasmic organism who founded the whole thing i thought he was cool and i thought the the what the whale thing yeah yeah the 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 thing yeah the thing that was in the tank not the jellyfish uh, the other thing yeah it's a good thing uh kuros was a marine biologist they had the the whale on board (laughs) that's right that was one of his backstories wasn't it Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, from uh, Seinfeld. George, yes. George was. Yeah, yeah, he he made well, that up. Yeah, he he, oh, he right. For, I haven't seen a lot of the show, but yeah, he lied about his background quite frequently to sound more impressive than he was. He was most commonly an architect. Yes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I thought really... it was a lot of fun seeing Jason Alexander in this because I know he also like he's often very much like pigeonholed mm. into like the Seinfeld type roles. Yeah, and this is what I mean. This is the show was still running at this point, I think, too. So, well, it's also not lost that when you've played an iconic role like that, it's pretty hard not to get typecast. I mean, and now you know, here we are, twenty five years later, and we're still quoting George George Costanza Costanza about (laughs) this completely different character. Yeah, and again, even me, someone who again never really watched the show never got into it in a big way i was gonna say chris does not only doesn't watch it he hates it what do you hate about it everything i i just don't do well with like awkwardness based humor sympathy sympathetic embarrassment humor is not his thing but these aren't sympathetic people you hate these people well that's why i i I have like because they like whenever we see whenever you get something where the whole basis is like this character doesn't understand they should be embarrassed. Yeah, like uh, curb your enthusiasm. I feel the embarrassment they should feel mm-hmm. and cringe ah. so hard I turn into a singularity. <laughs> um, I've seen him do it. It's very disturbing. But then we put uh, put those uh, those eggs from that race of of beings into inside of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To incubate. But yeah, and I still, yeah, like Jake said, I'm thinking like, oh God, I, I, as many George Costanza jokes as I can think of. Yeah. I, I thought he did a really good job, though, of separating his performance. Oh, yeah. Partly by just talking real slow. Yeah. Like, that's mm. the most un-George he could be. Yeah. And uh, okay. there was only one line that sounded kind of George to me. Uh, and that line was, perfection sometimes necessitates selfishness. Yeah. Mm. That sounded a little George. I could see but George saying that. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But other than that, like top shelf, it's almost exciting how good this is, given that he is known for performances that are the exact opposite yeah. of this. Like and and it's it's excellent alien acting because we can tell we can tell he's like malevolent, mm-hmm. but he is just alien enough that you can't quite be sure that he's malevolent. And then of course he's malevolent. But yeah. like just just there's just one extra plate off the uh off the four, the apple cart has like one <laughs> wheel kicked off it. Yeah, yeah, you're like either you're a massive prick or that's just part of your alien species. Oh no, it's right both. exactly. And we can't assume you're, you're a prick. I mean, Starfleet, we have to assume that you're the best guy. So here we go. Oh, okay, you're gonna take seven. Right. That was the one thing though. I was like, I I don't know. Like I know it's been a you know, it's been a bit now. She's had character development. But I still feel like most, at this point, Seven still mostly would be like, yeah, this sounds great. I'm, see ya. <laughs> Peace out. I have a feeling she was tempted until she learned that it was through deceivery that, oh, yeah. that they got her. And then she was like, mm, no, because I don't like the way you went about this. Yeah, that I would agree with. But I think like earlier on before it was clear what had happened, like I feel like there would have been more... Uh, I feel like she should have been more tempted by the offer than she was presented as having mm. been. It's like, huh. 
super intelligent little group of people that work stuff out, you know, not quite as held up by weird Starfleet moral hangups. Not ever returning to Earth. Yeah. No Ensign Kim. I think the, the idea that they're like, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we'll occasionally like wipe out planets, you know, we just won't take out everyone in a species. <laughs> I feel like that would really appeal to to Seven. Huh. He's like, maybe we wipe out the whole species hmm? <laughs> just this once a as a treat. As a treat, yes. Um, yeah, no. You know what happened though is uh, she was she was considering it, and then she walked past an open door and looked in, and she accidentally caught Kuros right after he'd gotten out of the pool, <laughs> and then she and then she left. She's like, nah, uh, no, I'm out. It was cold. <laughs> One of the I'm few episodes. I'm not going to stop. One of the few episodes I've seen, Jake. So well done. Good. Good. I had to swim with Bevex. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the bad wow. Take two. Uh huh. So, good, Ames, good. How, how much did you love the uh, little AI design? Because it felt very like descendant of Nomad. Oh, yeah. I, was I calling love him. Bromad. Yeah. <laughs> they never gave him a name. They didn't. I wish they had given him a name. And they didn't really give the jellyfish thing a name either. Yeah, right. no, no. Which seems rude to me. Yeah. Very. Again, like I said, for, for those who know Mass Effect, and I showed Liz a screen cap and she agreed, There, there's a jellyfish-like race in Mass Effect called the Hanar, who basically, same exact shape, but they have, like, tentacles off coming off the edge, uh, as opposed to having just sort of that big mm. stalk in the middle. Ah, that was the reference. Got it, got it. I also mentioned, so our our friend, I don't think he's named in the episode, but we, but I read his name is Seowen, the blue guy. Yeah. From the teaser. Is, is, is a familiar face under a whole lot of makeup, but I could see it, and I was very glad, because he was our good friend Kivon. Oh. Oh, of course he was. I know I know the name. Which one's Kivon? Uh, he, he was, go he ahead. was the, the, uh, the Vorta that, uh, that was in the... Oh. the Rocks and Shoals. Rocks and Shoals, who oh, was... The corpse. Who, yeah, I was going to say, the, the one walking they made corpse. into a robot. Yes, that one. <laughs> well, that's fucking terrific. Yeah, that's he's great. Wild. We're going to see a lot more of him, too, coming up. Oh, um, cool. And the guy who played Fenim, who was kind of like the guy that looked very brown and talked and buzzing and the, stuff. Yeah, the buzzy chap, yeah. He previously played both night aliens that we saw in Night. They looked like pudding. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, okay. okay. I Neat. thought that uh, that that Fenim felt uh, very Star Wars, like there was something very Star Warsian about his like language mm. and his look. I was like, this just turned into a Star Wars. Mm, he was definitely. like, and I was like, nope, no. I actually, I don't know how often they have this many different kinds of aliens. Not often enough. Show. Yeah, because I, I like, I, you know, I'm kind of hit or miss on these. I thought I thought the guy with the shell head was pretty great. I don't know if I like the uh, jellyfish, but I do kind of want it in my apartment. Mm. I always love cool the lava jellyfish. Lamp. Yeah, it would. but it's it. I mean, the best thing about it and like the biggest one is this this sort of whale who we never even see. Like it's it really does feel like more evolved. Yeah, it's, it's the Jaws effect. Just just a little glimpse. Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder, though, okay, so obviously them trying to get Seven by setting up this elaborate bounty hunter scheme, you know, obviously that was a scam mm-hmm. and a fraud. And, and they there was the way that they were going to solve this problem was exactly what they tried to do, which is call off the, the bounty hunters. Yeah. 
So do we think that's just their MO? Like, do you think that the guy, the blue guy at the beginning, like they their planet was plagued by earthquakes? Do you think they caused the earthquakes? They were doing something to cause the earthquakes? You know, like in all of the he also says that they cured uh the Vidians. Which I'm like, that that's pro like, is that bullshit? Cause uh like he might have just like known that the Voyager would have encountered them and because they'd be probably records that he's aware of. Yeah, and EMH like, is at oh, home I'll, saying, yeah, I hope Denara's okay. I'll just say that we cured phage and that'll give us some some credibility with these people because that's something that they know about. And they're not going to go back and check. It's far away. I would believe that they screw around sometimes, but they solve legitimate problems other times. They strike me as amoral enough to do that. Yeah, like I I feel like they seem they they seem genuinely. I mean, the only one with a voice we can understand is Koros. Yeah, but. I am under the impression they're all that smug Mm -hmm. and like they need to actually solve problems to feel special. Well, it's like they only manufacture problems when they like need more fuel or something. Yeah, like occasionally there's something they want and they'll do it. But I do think, you know, let's again, we we don't have many examples, but I'm going to say maybe between 75 and 80 percent, totally legit. 20 to 25 percent, we want something, so we're going to cause a problem to fix. And I kind of mm. feel like the ore might be the problem they decide. Well, actually, I guess that would be two in a row, so maybe not. Yeah. But don't you feel like whatever those people had must have been some kind of valuable? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I think they said that this problem had bedeviled them for generations. Mm. So I think that was, was legit. That was legit. Uh, bedeviled. But, but yeah. then again, the whale's super old. True. Mm-hmm. That's true. It could be. But doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Super genius. He looks great. Still super vain. Yeah, no, that, that, that tracks. Yeah, it makes me think, like, the way that they get beaten by Janeway, just mm. outthinking them and outmaneuvering them and doing this whole subterfuge thing, boxes within boxes, is probably exactly how they wanted to go down because it's a challenge that they'd never thought of. Mm. And I'm sure they all had massive boners about it. Oh, huge. I, I also, again, like, I kind of love that part of the reason they were taken down is because they had to have this really elaborate, you know, neural net thing instead of just universal translators or well, learning the, each other's languages well the other but the other languages are so complicated you, the brains just can't process each other I although mean, they probably could have installed like a speech unit on 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 bromad that's right I'm, I'm sure they could have come up with something like yeah <laughs> this, the the languages were too advanced for the federation universal translators but mm. this this is the think tank that's well, true. My assumption is that the Universal Translator couldn't understand Phenom because it was bleeping out the constant swearing. So much. <laughs> He's just a um, foul mouth motherfucker. Yeah, so I was actually, I was interested enough in the think tank because they never get a proper name. Yeah, um, no. So I was interested, so I actually looked it up and there's there actually is some, you know, like B, beta canon, apocrypha stuff. Oh, like comic books and shit? Yeah, yeah. And I was reading, so so this is, this is kind of their backstory. Bevox so. as a teenager? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. So in 24 or 2372, you know, they were they were a crack unit. They were sent to prison by a Hazari court for a crime they didn't commit. They promptly escaped from the maximum security stockade to the Delta Quadrant underground. Today, still wanted by the Hazari, as we know in this episode, they survive as soldiers of fortune. And if you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A team. <laughs> Starring Dwight Schultz. Pout. Yep. <laughs> I'm over here doing my Seska pout. 
You know, I did kind of feel like it was super unlikely that a comic book would exist on this, but I I it, wanted to believe I you, would Jake. not be surprised. It's a Look, self-published by Jason Alexander. So. <laughs> oh, that makes more sense. Look, as as we discussed in chat the other day, there's an, a legit comic coming out sometime soon where Quark is the middleman in a corgi sale. So I'm so happy. Yeah. What would the what would the uh what's that fucking so somebody in Hooch? Turner and Hooch? Turner and Hooch. So what's the what's the Quark and Hooch? Quark and Pooch. Oh, there we go. Oh, God, I wanted to say earlier, the one problem the uh, think tank couldn't solve, the one that was beyond them, was getting the Kazon a better haircut. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, speaking though, of Jason Alexander and think tank and Kazon and whatever else. Good, good. You know, and, and now, Ida, we haven't finished Prodigy yet. What? So, Son of a bitch. I have a feeling we might may have already released our Prodigy episode, Chris. Oh, whoops. Uh, <laughs> as of recording, fuck, whatever. Really, really pulling back the curtain on this one. So it could be that this has already been potentially, like, I don't know how, but potentially undone. But, but <laughs> Jason Alexander is a voice in Prodigy. That's right. He's the they Tellerite. Already got him hanging around. Maybe it's time for them to come back. Maybe they can want Zero to join them. Oh, wow. Yeah. I I may have said this already, if we already released our Prodigy coverage. Wink, wink. But I don't think they really go for, like, really referential kind of episodes. No, I know, I know. But if they were going to, I'd... Because I, I don't think we see these guys again, right? I don't think so. No. I, I kind of would like to have some follow-up like maybe they weren't all murdered by the hazari maybe the jellyfish got away yeah they're definitely a lower dex joke waiting to happen oh please no i want them done well on prodigy (laughs) Mm. well this is kind of what's neat like this is almost a children's show in like the good way you know what i mean like it's it's um you know those aliens were kind of like they they might not be out of place in like a saturday morning cartoon Mm. to and like one one thing that I thought this is this is my first episode here since season three I think and just like the Catherine Janeway performance is just so much more fun now hmm. like she's really like she's she's really sort of kirking it up <laughs> uh, and she has a lot of like kind of fun like ain't I a stinker kind of jokes <laughs> um, she does yes and, <laughs> and, and a stinker yeah and the other thing is she is not one other thing that's different from the um. Kazon one that I was in last time, whose name I forget, but like she, she, it's more of a group now. You know, I feel like a lot of the uh, Alliances episode was sort of her giving monologues, mm. but I feel like they've, they've, it's just that that thing happened where a show improved and they just have a better sense of how to use each character. And it, it's more of a group thing. And I, I think that's it, great. Except yeah, well, some, but some of it involves, yeah, I say some of it involves sidelining. So hard. Sure. Sure. Like when she popped in in their like in their big meeting in the in the when they were having their their date at Monks and she popped in I'm like oh Balana's here hey <laughs> that thing is like I, I like I, I feel like the the poor bastard goes off on maternity leave and then they forget to kind of reintegrate her yeah because I, I I had a similar thought like whenever she does pop up I'm like we don't see you much anymore hmm. yeah there's always more we had. But yeah, I think it's because they like didn't find someone to pair her off with. Unfortunately, yeah. Even I though she like Neelix is... was totally extraneous. This yeah, whole he's episode. not been around a lot lately either, which is too bad. Well, I think I, I was going to say I think that this is this is also the first episode I've been on with you where Seven of Nine is there. 
And I think I think she has been a, a massive asset to the show. Oh, absolutely. Uh, partly because, yeah, partly she is as impressive as Jane Way, but with such a different viewpoint as Jane yeah. Way. Like it, it, and it kind of helps both characters because I think it's just sort of hard to relate to someone whose main quality is like they're really good at their job, like Janeway is. But now that now that someone she has to keep de- defending herself, and she thrives on a challenge. Yeah. So I, I just think you know if the if the seven Janeway scenes have become a little bit you know too many of them, it it is at least like that is the heart of the show now for the past mm. for the second half. Well, and I will say, uh, like, I know it's... And I enjoy it, it. I know it's sort of infamous for becoming the Janeway and Seven show, but it's not actually happening as fast as I thought it was going to. Yeah, there's still a lot of stuff ahead for uh, Alana and, and crew. Yeah, like, I feel like a lot of... She hasn't been overused yet. I, I don't yeah. know if maybe that does happen. I don't know if she ever gets overuse because i think because again i I think that she's a great character yeah yeah, it's always a great use whenever she is used but i do but i do think that like we will we won't get as many harry Harry kim or harry kim (laughs) stories or you know this is the last chakotay story we're going to see for probably a long time really like yeah they'll be they'll be peppered in but it's going to be like i mean and this is going strictly off of my recollection so i'm don't this isn't a scientific measurement but if, I feel like it's like 60 to 70 percent Janeway, Seven, and Doctor stories from here on out. And mm. then the remaining, you know, 30 to 40 yeah, percent than everybody else. More than half of the rest of the cast. Right. Yeah, but exactly. the way people talk about it, like they, they act like it happened straight away as soon as she showed up. And that so far has not proven to be the case. Like she's still just part of the ensemble. Yeah. Still, as opposed to too many people getting sidelined, although, as we have said, we're starting to see it happen. She she kind of becomes Star Trek's first female Spock in a way. And I feel mm. like that's a that's a major as much as having a captain. It seems like that's kind of a major. We actually uh, you, you brought that up. Well, I didn't. I mean, yes, I mentioned it, but, but yeah, the fact there's not always in that context. There's always that sort of semi outsider character. Oh, God, the, I, oof. This one episode, though, did prove why she stands all the damn time. Because she can't sit in that corset? Watching her have to sit down, I felt so bad for her. You yeah. can tell it was not. It it was a process. Mm. Right. Like, uh, oh, fuck. I ugh, felt well, so bad. I'm really excited because in a couple of weeks, we're going to see her in a different outfit that she can do things in and like should breathe. have stayed in the rest of the freaking show. Yeah. Well, keep uh, keep your eyes here and look forward to that in a couple of weeks. It is. I don't know. I don't know exactly how I feel about her portrayal on Picard, but it is. It was time for her to get like good clothes that don't cut off the circulation to her brain. Yeah, like we, we discussed the the sort of Picard get before, but we have right. all agreed that yes, the clothes are a vast improvement. Oh, she looks hot. Yeah. So are the Hazari just a race of bounty hunters? Or are they just a collective of people who call themselves the Hazari? I mean, the few we see, they're all the same. All... They're all the same race, but is that what their whole race is like? Oh, yeah. I mean, at the very least, a lot of them certainly are in this company. <laughs> mm. You know, this this particular group. So, yeah, that's the thing. Is like, I'd love to say, of course not. Of course, there's more to them than that. But this is Star Trek. Star Trek loves a monoculture. Yeah, we see them once. They don't need depth at all. Yeah. <laughs> Literally at all. Yeah. Somewhere there's a novel where the Hazari and the Herogen 
go to war the hunter race and the bounty hunter race <laughs> well yeah i was gonna say like there's a scene where somebody i think it might even been janeway says that that the the hazari are the greatest hunters in the quadrant and i was like man somewhere tony todd is <laughs> out there just just inconsolable i mean here's the thing they didn't have this much trouble with the herogen so you might be right well, I don't know. The Herogen did take over Voyager for an indeterminate amount of time and enslave them. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think, like, it's required to let your ship get taken over at least once a series by mm. aliens. Like, it's it's just a requirement in your captain's thing. Like, one time, you've got to let at least once. Because, I mean, the Enterprise-D got taken over by Ferengi once. Like, you know. There is nothing more Star Wars than an entire alien race that's just bounty hunters. You're right. Yeah, That's true. the most Star Wars thing I could imagine. I was actually thinking that, too, about how in the extended universe they decided that Han Solo actually wasn't special. It was just that all of his people were Han Solos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, didn't they kind of do that with uh, Boba Fett? Because, like... Right, exactly. Like, we have Mando, uh, who d- d- does the same job. Yeah, and Jango Fett did the same job. And Well... The thing with that, without getting too into the weeds, is, like, they do establish that Mando's part of a weird, like, almost cult? Cult, yeah. And that the actual Mandalorian culture is far more complex. But they do all just really love that armor. Well, no, no, not just the armor. They are all bounty hunters, evidently. Oh, no, the actual the actual species is more... Varied? Yeah. Well, they're yeah. not a species. They're a creed. They're people with hats. Oh, no, they, yeah. so there's actually... Oh, God. There's a race and there's a creed. They're separate. It's a whole thing. It's mostly from Clone Wars. I was going to say, this isn't this isn't in the Mandalorian, so oh, I so don't you, count it. I was going to say, yeah, is this We shouldn't be talking between, about creed because being... we already talked about the boxing episode. God damn so. it, Jake. God damn it. <laughs> I was surprised. between being like religiously Jewish and ethnically Jewish? Kinda. No, creed's Christian alt-rock. Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, yeah, I was gonna say, uh, I'm I'm a little surprised there wasn't an interaction scene in which Kuros did anything with the with that 3D puzzle game that Tom yeah, brought on board. Yeah, I was expecting that too, actually. For him to either like look at it and be like, I want that, and I want your Captain Proton game, and I want you yeah. know Neelix's soup, or to have him walk on state, walk on bridge, take one look at it, boop it once with a finger, and it be like solved, and they, like explode into candy and stuff like mm. a pinata. <laughs> I did love uh, Seven Solution though. Puzzles oh, yeah. are dumb. Cheat. Cheating yeah. is more efficient. Love it. Very that is my favorite. Great. <laughs> I love that scene. You know, the where everyone's talking about what plans they should do. Where they're like, we've got to outthink the think tank. So they think for three hours, and then they're like, we're talking in circles. I've got an idea. What we should do is cheat the think tank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, isn't that just outthinking the think tank? <laughs> well, whatever gets that idea working, you know. That's true. However, however, it works for them. Seven of Nine would definitely just take all the stickers off and reapply them to a Rubik's Cube <laughs> instead of twisting it. The last thing I wanted to bring up in my notes. Here it is. Purportedly, Jason Alexander had some trouble with all the techno babble. Because who fucking wouldn't? Yeah. Jesus Christ, he had so much techno babble to, to deliver that in the middle of a scene, he just screamed out, Jerry! <laughs> <laughs> Even he Even, made yeah. the joke. He's got to get back to solid ground, you know. That's that's probably his acting exercise that gets him centered. <laughs> just, my only regret about this episode is that when, because we never see what happens on the ship after Fuckface realizes it, and before until um, Seven gets beamed off because yeah. she 
she disappears on the bridge of Voyager. I really wish they had left in the scene where she was standing there right before she got beamed out and she just says to him, it's not you, it's me. I that's assume a, that's, that's another, also... That's, it, another, that's Seinfeld. another Seinfeld Okay, show. I don't get that one. Because I invented it, you, it's me. They, thank you, Carl. Uh, thank you. Ah, uh, There we go. What did he say? He said, I invented it's not you, it's me. God oh, damn it. Oh, the oh. joke's awful. It's ruined. <laughs> Ruin my joke. Didn't... My bit's ruined. <laughs> Jerry! Jerry! <laughs> Jerry! <laughs> just, Chris, just, just cut in the A-team bit again here. Because <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, so I was actually, I was interested enough in the think tank because they never get a proper name. Yeah, um, no. So I was interested. In, so I actually looked it up, and there's there actually is some, you know, like B beta canon apocrypha stuff. Oh, like comic books and shit. Yeah, yeah. And I was reading. So so this is this is kind of their backstory. Bevox so, as a teenager. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So in twenty four or twenty three seventy two, you know, they were they were a crack unit. They were sent to prison by oh, God. a Damn Hazari man. court for a crime they didn't commit. They promptly escaped from the maximum security stockade to the Delta Quadrant Underground. Today, still wanted by the Hazari, as we know in this episode, they survive as soldiers of fortune. And if you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. And then a lot of laughing. Just a a laugh track. Get a laugh track. Oh, we should... Chris, when you edit this episode, can you make this whole segment a laugh track like Seinfeld? (laughs) (laughs) like when we're introducing ourselves you know like when 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 somebody walks in you got to do like the the cream and everybody the uh, the the fake laugh track audience flips out oh god i i I don't i uh hopefully you might might have to do that hopefully none of those sounds are in public domain i don't want to find them (laughs) (laughs) no i'm sure just use us whenever we laugh at some laughter is all over the internet yeah, I could use us, but that's just more effort. Yeah, that's more that. work. Don't that's do don't work. do more work. It's not <laughs> worth it. I did wonder, like, if Kuros's makeup, you know, originally would have been more alien, but then they got Jason Alexander and were like, we need to see his face. We're paying yeah, for that. Yeah. Like we did with Barf on Spaceballs. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Or if it was always gonna be kind of simple since he was gonna be in it a lot, so it's like, let's not overdo this well, also like he's a big star and probably maybe didn't want to be subjected to that you know the, the time it would have 10 taken hours to... in the chair yeah yeah like give me give me the three hour makeup job uh yeah but again i feel like even if he'd been willing the the producers would have been like no no we want that face in the ads <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure that he must have filmed this in between two episodes of seinfeld too right like they probably had him for four days or something Mm. I'd like to imagine that underneath the big robe was actually just the George costume, and he literally had to like rip it off, <laughs> yank off the makeup, and run to the other set. Well, wait, wait, so when did this one come out? Ninety nine, right? Yeah, this is uh, March of ninety nine. I want to oh. say Seinfeld ended in ninety eight. Oh, That's true. Okay, then. That's true. So oh wow, Seinfeld would have been over by now. So this was this was the summer of Jason trying to <laughs> yeah, shake the off summer of Jason Jury. <laughs> shake off the uh, George stink. I, like, I, I will can do say, other stuff. yeah. Yeah, the first time I saw this episode, I did not know that was Jason Alexander. Hmm. I'm sure I would have if I'd seen it in the 90s and been reminded, you know, his face was more omnipresent. Yeah. But like, he just, he just moves so differently Yeah, George. Yeah, it's such a different it, character. It and I feel like, cause I, I do feel like Jay, all, all the actors from that show, maybe with the exception of uh, Julia, have like had this problem where they are typecast in their roles. 
I mean, some of them have other problems as well. But but especially, I feel like poor Jason Alexander is yeah. never getting out un, from under the weight of George Costanza. Yeah, he yeah. should probably really just try to segue as much as he can into voice acting. Yeah, well, he's good at that, too. That's what uh, I mean. It's, he's, he's, he can do it, so he might as well, you know? But but I, I do, like, I applaud the effort here to just, like, have a, to be a character and portray it in such a way that is very antithetical to anything oh, yeah. that he had ever done on Seinfeld to showcase that, yeah, yeah, I, I'm also an actor. I'm George yeah. Costanza, but but I'm also a professional actor. Yeah, and he, you know, he's, a, he's only, I know he, didn't he do some, like, musical stuff after Seinfeld, too? That's going to be a passion of his that caught a lot of people off guard. Huh. He is a theater actor. I mean, he can, he has the diction, you know, he has the yeah. sense of presence. Doesn't you know, this is his home, what he's singing doing Singing musical stuff on Seinfeld? Isn't there that Les Mis episode where he's... No, that's Deep Space Nine. Ah, it's Eddington. Eddington's back. No, it's a different balding man. Wasn't it Master of the House? Isn't that a? I don't know. I don't remember this at all. This might be too obscure even for for me. No, I feel like I have to look it up. No, we have to wait for Caitlin to look it up. He was a hand model in an episode. Is that what you're thinking of? (laughs) No, no. Yeah, it definitely happens. There's an episode where he will not stop singing Master of the House, which is from Les Mis. Huh. And I think it's the episode where they have to like have dinner with Elaine's dad, but she's, like, super late, and he's just, like, they're stuck there hanging out with Elaine's dad, who is, like, super uh, intimidating to oh, them. Oh, right. Yep, yep. I don't remember the song. I, I, that 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 B-plot must have went away. Well, I, I, think remember, he, I remember I think the episode. I Elaine's dad, like, makes fun of him for it, for, like, being fruity or something. Like, it's something like that, you know? Mm. It sounds like a 90s sitcom joke. Yep, a really funny one, obviously. Musicals? The the 90s and the 80s were such a like anti-musical decade. Good. And it it was <laughs> it was such a strange I remember it seemed like an event when musicals sort of became popular again. Mm. All right, well, we're, we're talking mostly about Seinfeld at this point. Are we are we done with the think tank? I think so. I like enjoyed it. I thought this was a fun yeah, one. Yeah, really good. Yeah. It was a nice yeah, tonic to the gold. Fight. Yeah, gold and I love the double, triple, quadruple cross. I lost track of how many different crosses so there many were. Crosses. They were fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to specify this episode neither sponsored by Wendy's nor Vandalay Industries. <laughs> okay, I got that one. <laughs> Say Vandalay! <laughs> uh, I won't, but I will say uh, our blogtivity we're going to talk about right now. Good segue, Ames. Well done. <laughs> Chaotic space. Yeah, yeah. So in honor of seeing my my new favorite character, Bevox, this week, I wanted to talk to y'all about all the different space-dwelling life forms that we see across all of Trek. And like the other week when we discussed diseases, there's way more than I've remembered there being. God damn it, it's a long list. Does anyone have a favorite they want to shout out to first, though? So Um, I just wanted to clarify. I assume you mean, like, creatures that can live in space without a ship. Yes. The big jellyfish from Farpoint. Yeah, that's a yeah, good one. Good I, I do love those. They were going to be one of my favorites, too. Tin Man is a ship. Does yeah. That I was going to throw Tin Man out. He's a good guy. I like Tin yeah. Man. There's the thing that tries to, you know, they have to sour the Enterprise D's milk because it's mm-hmm. latched on. Galaxy's Child. Oh, that was the, the Leia Brahms episode? Yeah. The Galaxy's Child? That's the, the yeah. real Leia Brahms episode. Yeah. yeah. There was a big-ass amoeba in TOS. Oh, that thing! Yes, space yes. Amoeba. I was going to throw amoeba. out the uh, the two dimensional beings. Uh, oh yeah, that got the Enterprise caught in their uh, migration. 
forgot about that. Oh, one. good call. That's from the loss because Troy couldn't sense oh, yeah. them, like she, and yeah, she thought was so, she was was useless on the ship. Now, yeah, like, it's like oh, sweetie, got her groove back. Oh, yeah. you were already useless. Oh, the poor thing. Now, one of my favorites, I wanted to make sure I brought up another. These are mostly TNGs because there were a lot in TNG. A lot of them, yeah. So many in TNG, and I wanted to give some love to Crystalline Entity. Yes. <laughs> because also, I do Crystalline, love the Crystalline Entity. It's so pretty. Like it's they pretty do a neat. great job with it. I actually, I forgot about that one. Oh, that's that one's one of my favorites. Well, so if the only criteria is can survive in space without a ship, uh, I'm going to throw lore out there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, literally, I'm throwing him out the airlock. There right you now. go. There you go. I don't know. Well, that he's... means we cannot include Finny then. Oh, yeah. yeah, Finny cannot. Does not survive in space. I think we've got to appreciate Nagilum. We do because uh, there's no one else quite like that. He looks. He looked like a fish I had at the time. <laughs> Nagilum not only can survive in space, he sort of is his own space, isn't he? Right. Like he kind what of is, is the dimension he inhabits. Oh yeah, that's cool. What about um? What about Shakari? No, oh, that God, or is he on the planet? Well, I'm sure. I'm sure that could survive off the planet. Oh, we it's never see. We, we ever see him there. off the planet? I, I guess know, if not. you can blow him up. No, he needs a starship, doesn't he? What does God yeah. need? What with does a God need with a starship? Yeah. Oh wow. Q. Q, Q for sure. Yeah, definitely. We definitely Q. see Q. All the Qs. Um. To that effect, we also see a whole bunch of changelings when they survive in space, because I'm yeah. thinking of when Odo's friend Loss was yeah. just being a space whale. Yep. Which yeah, looks yeah. super he's, fun. He's definitely space dwelling. Did TAS have any? I feel like I they might I was wondering have. that, too. They did. They had at least one that like I thought of. a or some shit? No, because we see that thing as a ship. Oh. And it's unclear if it is a ship or if it just has a ship, and I... That one's questionable, but thank you for bringing it up because I was thinking of that one earlier too. But the one I am thinking about is that cloud thing that Spock mind melts. Oh, that's right. He cl- yep, yep, I melt yeah. a cloud. What about Bem? No. <laughs> There's another know, cloud, though. Um, God, he probably could survive in space the fuck. Oh, yeah, he's the worst. I hate him. Uh, that t- that, are you talking about the sabotage cloud, Ames? The obsession cloud. That one, that's what I meant. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. What about uh, Gothos? Where does he hang out? He seems to need his planet to get around yeah but well, we um, see his parents and they're just kind of in the sky yeah well, they're, they're, re- uh, they're still in in the atmosphere they're mm. weird disembodied voices it's not clear where they are so it could be that when his species is older they can i'm yeah, we, still not convinced that they're not part of the continuum so i don't know yeah shoot i had one for a second i thought Oh no! What about what about the I Greek think... gods? Did they need oh. ships, or did they just kind of putter around on their own power? Do we know? Was it that established? Well, well he's got that huge arm that reached all out. over the place, yeah. didn't they? Space hand. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if this hand can survive in space, the rest of them probably could, right? Maybe. Yeah, they escaped Earth somehow. But they may have had just some sort of advanced tech. We don't know. Oh God, the Unless Apollo mission, said, uh, literally. Has anybody said nomad? Nomad yeah. is questionably a life form. He's, he's a mach- He's a machine a little bit. He's a he's, friend. He, okay. kind he of is, is a friend. He kind of is a ship. <laughs> like, right. See, this is the question. Bit, like, do, do we... Uh, oh, sorry. It's a bit hazy with him. Yeah. Like, do we want things that can survive in space? Or do we want things that were, like, designed to... Or are naturally from space? 
Mm, I'd say um, as long as it is alive, we right. can we, we can we can talk about him. Well, so I like nomad, should, yeah. a little more hazy on the nomad. Yeah, I think the tardigrades have to be in there. Uh, oh, good, partly because they're real. Yay! Yeah. They're the only real things on this mm. list. Even though I don't understand the spore drive. Yeah, yeah, no one does. No one does. Even Stamets. Especially, <laughs> Especially Stamets. Stamets. <laughs> what about, um... Okay, here's another one that's on the cusp, I think. Tell us. Uh, These are my favorites. V'ger. Oh. oh. Oh, God. Uh. Oh, God. I mean, at the end... Oh, I was going to say V'ger's at the core of a ship, but V'ger is also the ship. Yeah, but... Yeah, I mean, the ship also, is V'ger's heart. And it eats Decker, so I guess... Te- and, like, <laughs> so Decker... Decker Decker is our space dwelling life form. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh, that. Oh, that. Mm. And the. Oh, that. Oh, another question. The probe from four. Is it a being? Yeah, I don't think we know. I, I had that on my list too. I, I love the probe. <laughs> I, everyone loves the probe. For sure. For sure. It's just so like. Con- it's almost like the monolith from two thousand one. It's just it. like it's just so confusing in and of itself. Giant space cigar. Yeah, it's such a great design because it's so just weird it's so not yeah. like a ship that i give it have to give it credit exactly oh speaking um, of of living ship things uh species 8472 yeah like they use ships to get around but, but I don't they think also they just survive them. in space yeah they don't need them to survive they just it's easier to get around with them yeah but it sounds like their natural habitat is fluidic space so yeah yeah what about these chaotic space dickheads from the fight we don't know enough about them yeah i don't know if we even know that they're alive Chaotic space. Or well, they're alive, but the space itself. Chaotic oh, space. Oh, oh uh, the photonic creatures from uh, Brighta Chaotica. Mm. Oh, well, that's a. Mm. We Are don't they really space know because they're like subspace dwelling. <laughs> um, yeah, they're a bit. Again, it's one we don't know enough about to be sure. Yeah. Do we already say wormhole aliens? Oh no! Oh no! I, oh, cool. That's a good point, the though. I, they they are. Yeah, true. You know, we we also got to respect the Pa Wraith who possessed Keiko uh, <laughs> and those power play aliens that possessed Miles O'Brien. Yep. That's one of my favorite facts about that couple is they have both been possessed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the couple that gets possessed together stays together. <laughs> they have. The O'Briens. Well, they were shitty to each other while they were possessed and, and their right. marriage survived. So. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, if you if you can survive a possession... Yeah. You know, your marriage is stronger. Yeah. Man, they've survived a lot. And they had their kid become an adult and. Right. God. Yeah. Back again. And Miles' 20 year imaginary prison sentence. Oh, God. Uh, Oof. Uh, They should have their own show, really. (laughs) Yes. At this point. What's new with the (laughs) O'Brien? Did TOS have any others aside from the giant amoeba? Yeah, they kind of had a couple other. Whenever there was a weird kind of light thing that could oh, follow yeah. the ship, because oh, there yeah, was that thing from uh, from Day of the Dove. Yeah, that thing and the yep. lights from Zchar, which looked exactly like the same effect, basically, because it was just Probably like flashy was. lights. Right. Uh, but those things could follow us around. And Jake and I also recently just rewatched this side of Paradise, and those jizz flowers were said like they just one day they were wafting through fa- space, and then they found this planet, so they oh, settled yeah. here. Audrey twos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, Jack the Ripper spirit. Did that? Yeah, that needs a like host, he, right? You, oh, did mm. it? So that probably is. Yeah, I don't good. know if we ever saw it without a host. Yeah. There are a whole bunch in Discovery as well, because we see 
like there's that space whale, there's a space mm. fungus, um, and there's apparently some lightning Ripper. bugs. Yeah, Ripper, whom we love. Mm-hmm. And there's that one on the short tracks. What was the na- that one again? Eph- Ephraim and Dot? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was a cute yeah. one. I, I really missed the short tracks because I thought they were like really nice little chunks of ideas that didn't didn't need to be a whole episode, but was still kind of like a fun little thing. Yeah, they I hope cool. they do more. Oh, how about that thing that we see in the because uh, I know you guys haven't seen all of Lower Decks, but you have seen the opening credits of Lower Decks. And there's that monster oh, thing sucking on the ship. On the cell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, Lower um, Decks opens up a whole new. Oh, did we talk about uh, maybe this? This may have already been said, but the thing—the thing that tried to eat Voyager a couple weeks ago—did we already say that? Oh, from um, Those parasite Bliss. things. Bliss. Yeah. Bliss. Yeah, that oh, one yeah. counts. Yeah, the, shit, that the, definitely the, the counts. The not nebula, actually giant space. Uh, Maw. Yeah the the pit of sarlacc of space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I can't believe we didn't say that already. I'm surprised I, we didn't say those, say those space sperm that came onto the Voyager in Elogium. They literally came onto the Voyager. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I forgot about that. I was happy to forget about that. Oh, I'm my God. sorry. I must remind you. We've got to go back and do our best uh, or best and worst of the whole series some point. So don't forget about that. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I feel like this reference is going to depress everybody. Good, but, uh, good. Good. E- Ian Troy. Yup. <laughs> Actually, no, it doesn't depress. I'm glad. I hated that kid. <laughs> I forgot about the, the like alien light that yeah, impregnates from, uh, Troy so he can experience living. Yeah, fuck yeah. that. And then dying. <laughs> yeah, that had been a space floaty thing. You're right. I forgot about him. Yeah, another another one that I would count in Deja Q when Q is human for a couple of days and these these aliens learn about it and they come and try to kill him. Those things. Hmm. I don't the, remember that the calamarain. Count to calamarain, four. Count to four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't remember them, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, anything else we think of is going to probably go onto the the blog post. So if you're not keeping up with our mm-hmm. blog post, definitely you will know, keep up with our Tumblr. We have lots of blog posts there. I'll have listed all the all the space dwelling life forms I could think of with screen grabs and everything. Oh wait, yeah. giant space robot Cthulhu. <laughs> from Picard? From Picard. It's oh, a robot, oh, though. <laughs> but it's a li- It's definitely alive. Oh, my it's, God. It's defi- that one's definitely All right, putting it on the list. <laughs> uh, the exocomps, right? They float around, don't they? They do. We, <laughs> see, we see it in... I'm not going to spoil for Chris and Caitlin, because we do see it in um, Lower Decks, the exocomps powers. Oh. But again, like, alive, like... Right. The was... Borg? Yeah. True. They don't do so well in space, do they? They 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 they, they can walk around. They're good. Shit. Evolution was it called? Were those space based? The things that were trying to keep that guy's probe from getting launched in TNG? The guy who would play baseball games in his head? I don't think they were space based. Okay, I couldn't. Oh, what about that Muse character who was like sucking on Jake's brain? Wasn't evolution the things that, that Wesley created? Oh, you the know nanites? The nanites. Yeah, I evolution? think that might have been it. Yeah, you might be thinking of home soil, Chris, which is close. But yeah, the nanites were the ones that were, were trying to kill Stubbs. Yeah. Because, because he was, was constantly going on about baseball games. No, I just forgot they were nanites. So <laughs> yeah, no, home soil, but that's ugly bags and mostly water, right? Yes. But those were definitely not space-based. Those were right. on the planet. 
And yeah, I don't know if the Muse thing was a space space life form. To be honest, I, I, cause I didn't think it, it might have been. I, or I, we don't really see, but I might have been. Okay, that's a possibility. What about Ghost Dad? Well, I guess Ghost Dad just lives <laughs> in in the in the 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 penumbra of life or whatever. Uh, you mean Cisco from The Visitor? No. Do you mean Ghost Dad from Sabrosa? Janeway's dad. Oh, that thing! Oh. Visits you before you die. Oh, oh, that was prop. That. Oh shit! I think that might have been space based. Yeah, or the very least, doesn't need a planet. Man, the words yeah. space and based have no more meaning left. <laughs> <laughs> space anyway. based. Also, sounds like something you do to a turkey. Mmm. <laughs> but in space. Mm. We'll find out if there's any space turkeys next week. There will be. All right, so I have two options for Chris's uh uh Chris to pick from for the for the outro for this week because I don't know which is coming next. It depends on on when we release things. So either, as promised, we're going to release our season one like kind of overview of Prodigy. Spoilers: We fucking loved it, and we cried in the fucking finale. Oh no, am I gonna cry? You might cry. No, oh, I cried. <laughs> or or uh, the other possibility: next week, more Voyager. Uh, the episodes are going to be Juggernaut and Someone to Watch Over Me. So that'll be a good time. Make sure you're listening to us over on SoundCloud or, you know, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. There's a lot. There's a lot of options. They all do the same thing. Pick your favorite. Uh, you can also hang out with us on Facebook and Twitter, where we occasionally exist. Or you can go and hang out in the middle of space, where we are space-dwelling life forms. <laughs> on our Tumblr. Tumblr.thing. Uh, that's it for me. This has been Ames. This has been Caitlin. This has been Jake. And this is always Chris, joined by... This has been Carl. Yay! Yay. Thanks again for joining us, Carl. Do you have anything you wanted Thank to plug? You. Check out the Battlespace 9 podcast uh, ps9podcast.podbean.com. Oh, man. Season 1 was really fun with you, Carl. Thank you. Thanks I'm for, looking, thanks looking forward to season 2. Yep. It'll be, be fun. Yay! It's a knockout. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, God. <laughs>